By Larry J. Schweiger A French social observer and historian, Alexis de Tocqueville Touring America recorded his lucid observations of pioneering America. In his book Democracy in America, 1840, Tocqueville characterized America as exceptional when he wrote, The position of the Americans is therefore quite exceptional, and it may be believed that no other democratic people will ever be placed in a similar one. A national narrative has often celebrated American exceptionalism. In many moments in history, it was a well-deserved moniker, at other times, not so much. On December 1, 1862, President Lincoln submitted his second annual message to Congress, where he described America as the last, best hope of Earth. In May 1961, President Kennedy aired his ambitious goal to land a man on the moon and explained, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one which we intend to win, and the others, too. Kennedy's bold vision came to fruition eight years later. On July 20, 1969, when Neil Armstrong stepped on the moon, we were all proud to be an American. This was just one of many exceptional American achievements. President Reagan painted America as a shining city upon a hill whose beacon light guides freedom-loving people everywhere. In his farewell address, Reagan observed, I've spoken of the shining city all my political life. In my mind it was a tall, proud city built on rocks stronger than oceans, wind-swept, God-blessed, and teeming with people of all kinds living in harmony and peace, a city with free ports that hummed with commerce and creativity. And if there had to be city walls, the walls had doors and the doors were open to anyone with the will and the heart to get here. That's how I saw it and see it still. America has long been a force for a more democratic and just world. It is fair to say that most white Americans agreed with the assessment that America is a beacon of hope. When Barack Obama was elected many progressives and minorities, particularly African Americans, found hope for a more just society. By claiming to make America great again, Trump has crippled our government and diminished America on the world stage. In a recent address to Moscow's Diplomatic Academy, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, Russia's top diplomat, argued that the world is losing faith in the United States as a global leader. He claims the international community has sought a more diverse approach to decision-making while shifting the center of global economic power to east from west. The sad truth, he is probably right, and the Russians have invested heavily in Trump to make it so. What has happened to American exceptionalism? We have gone from being the nation in 2014 that sponsored heroic health professionals who wrestled the Ebola epidemic to the ground in West Africa. Now we are the epicenter of the global pandemic as the most infected country in the world. Americans account for about 20% of all cases in the world today. The cuts to the Center of Disease Control staff of the over the past three years, the complete elimination of the pandemic response team, and the failure to use available WHO's tests when we should have been testing early on. While some other nations took decisive action, Trump's blundering ways gave the virus a two-month head start spreading silently across America. He repeatedly lied to us, claiming it's a hoax, it's going to disappear like a miracle, it's under control, soon it'll be at zero. Make no mistake, more people are dying and more infected because of this failure. Deaths are now exploding exponentially, doubling every two to three days. It took a month for the U.S. to see its first 1,000 coronavirus deaths, the next 1,000 deaths took two days. Trump's persistent lack of leadership is a threat to us all. 
Just as it is hard to drive a car in the dark without headlights, it is hard to navigate a pandemic without widespread testing. While Trump promised, anyone who wants a test can get a test. Testing is still a significant issue three weeks later. I have friends who have all the symptoms of the virus yet they were not tested. So, how many have the virus? It is anyone's guess because not enough tests are available, and the real numbers remain an open issue. New self-testing procedures promising a quick turnaround may soon be helpful to understand the extent of this disease better but this is all late. We can all help keep track of the spread of the disease by contributing our daily health status to help health professionals track the COVID-19 pandemic through a Harvard crowdsourcing effort called COVID Near You. President Dwight D. Eisenhower once reflected that leadership consists of nothing but taking responsibility for everything that goes wrong and giving your subordinates credit for everything that goes well. Trump does the opposite. He blames governors and mayors who clamor about the critical shortages of everything from ventilators masks, gowns, and other vital medical supplies. In times of crisis, Americans want to rally around their president, and rightfully so. However, it is hard to do when Trump behaves like an impetuous child with a profound narcissistic need for admiration from all, excessive attention through his constant and confusing tweets and his lack of empathy. Trump threatened to cut off deliveries to governors and politicizes the pandemic, causing the most disastrous response among the world. On March 29, he accused hospitals in New York of allowing masks and PPE supplies to walk out the back door. He followed that outrageous charge against frontline doctors and nurses who have been begging for safety equipment by requesting the media to do an investigation. Fareed Zakaria in a March 26 column in the Washington Post asks a profoundly important question, why did this happen? It's easy to blame Trump and the president has been inept from the start. But there is a much larger story behind this fiasco. The United States is paying the price today for decades of defunding government, politicizing independent agencies, fetishizing local control, and demeaning and disparaging government workers and bureaucrats. We should ponder on how America fell so far so fast. I recently wrote a book entitled Climate Crisis and Corrupt Politics to look behind the curtain at the growing dysfunction of our government to address the climate crisis. What I discovered sadly applies to our current crisis. The same forces that have trampled on compelling climate science, have ignored the many pandemic warnings, and the need to be prepared. Anti-governmental forces funding elections have caused the contraction of the CDC staffing and crippled our response to the coronavirus. Trump has been demeaning agencies of government calling them the deep state while he claimed to be draining the swamp while gutting essential safety nets and degrading vital agencies. One of the dark money-funded groups was the Americans for Tax Reform, headed by Grover Norquist, who declared his goal to cut government in half in 25 years, to get it down to the size where we can drown it in the bathtub. Almost every Republican lawmaker signed the Norquist tax pledge and has since been systematically dismantling critical domestic programs, cutting the budgets of essential agencies year after year while cutting taxes for the uber-wealthy. The widespread cuts to federal agencies over many years is the culmination of political investments from dark money funders. The mega-wealthy have funded a coordinated effort to spawn anti-government sentiments to cut agencies' budgets including EPA and CDC. Groups like the Tea Party, Americans for Tax Reform, and the Sagebrush Rebellion have been fostering contempt for government and especially for environment, health, and welfare programs. This contempt gave rise to Trump and contorted the Republican Party into the party of Trump. Full stop. Uber-wealthy libertarians like Koch fund Norquist's operation to shrink government. Several dark money, 
anti-government donors and corporations have derived enormous political power from the size of their checkbooks with no regard for how it impacts others. Billionaire Sheldon and Miriam Adelson got a $700 million tax windfall from their casino business and pumped more than $100 million into Republican candidates in 2018. Greed is a sickness that starts with a rotten heart. We must disenthrall ourselves from any lingering notion of exceptionalism. We now have a damaged government that dark money has bought, and we are all paying the price with growing risks with an understaffed, ill-prepared and dysfunctional administrative response. Perhaps this can be the long-needed wake-up call that conservative voters need to grasp the depth of the threat and support the restoration of the America we have loved.